It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the Game Week Edition. This is the first, or I'm sorry, this is the last of our podcasts that kind of don't follow a format, a, a schedule that we do because we're about to be in season mode. For those of you who are new to the podcast, in season mode means this. Early in the week, usually on Sunday or Monday, during the seasons, usually on Sundays, we will do a game recap podcast that will be on the free feed. Everybody will get that. Our game preview podcast will bring on guests uh, from time to time, preview the upcoming game. That is premium. That is behind the paywall. That is only for subscribers. We will talk about that here shortly. But this one, kind of a little different because it's a free one, but it's not quite our preview pod yet. We'll save that for later in the week. But getting ready for Auburn and UMass. Time to talk really for the last time, kind of a preseason mode type of podcast. Looking forward to it. Uh, I'm Justin Ferguson. That's the voice you're hearing right now. I'm in Auburn, Alabama. Also in Auburn, Alabama, the man with the golden voice, star of stage and screen. Um, and uh, as we found out in the last podcast, um, you know, has has really battled through the fact that he was uh, he was severely uh, his life was forever changed in a chemical accident uh, at one point in time. Uh, that would be Dan Peck. Hello, Dan. Hello, hello, Justin. Hello, Painter. Hello to the Peck Pack. Yeah, go back and listen to all yeah. of the Nathan King episode. It was get- a great episode. Nathan had a ton of awesome stuff, uh, and uh, it was one of my favorites we've done in a while. But uh, yeah, that that especially, if you don't get that joke, uh, you need to be a subscriber. I think the si- the silly stuff at the end got real silly, but it was. Oh wow! No, I, I, but but no, it's always always fun to talk to Nathan, and I agree with you. Like some just outstanding stuff. From uh, from from His Majesty Nathan King. Also on the ones and twos, he's back on the mic today, but always, always keeping it crystal clear with the audio and uh, making sure everything runs smoothly over at Observer HQ from an undisclosed location, uh, a bunker uh, that is safe from nuclear fallout. Mr. Painter Sharpless, how are we doing, Painter? Hello, boys. Banner, you you're doing good. Um, I know you were on the road this past weekend. You, you had a uh, you had a fantasy football draft, which mm-hmm. I know is a big deal in the league that you're in. And uh, yeah, you were telling me this weekend. Parent and I were going back and forth uh, talking, and and I could I could tell, and and you even said it at one point that uh, you feel a little older these days. Not the drafts are kind of hitting harder. Draft weekends are hitting harder than they used to, huh? Yes, uh, always excellent to see see friends um some of them you know you just don't get to see as much anymore and that's how it goes but uh, obviously you are right the the body uh, it seems to wear down quicker but painters are covering so if he feels like if it sounds at uh, at times on this podcast like he's about to pass out don't worry don't worry medical professionals are still on standby wait, waiting to waiting to resuscitate him I, I want i want to know how how the draft guy how do you feel about your team i think it's going to be a fine team um I, I think this is a year where you're looking to make the uh, top end of that playoff bracket, and uh, maybe you can make some noise because things get kind of weird sometimes. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that, I, I don't. I certainly don't expect my team to take the league by storm. And if I if I end up in the in the on the good side of the bracket, I'll be pretty pleased. So it's, right. it seems like. Oh, do you want to do it? Pivot away right, from real, fantasy real, football. Yeah, well, no, no. Just real quick question for you, yeah. Painter. Uh, just real quick. Favorite player that you have on your team and like who is like your you came out of it and you're like, I'm glad I got this guy as like sleeper maybe or or just somebody you're like, Oh, it's gonna be fun. 
Like this guy could be a difference maker in our in, in my league. Like who 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 are we leaning on? Because some people have some fantasy drafts this week. They might have looked. They might need a little painter sharpless insight. It may wind up being an absolute nothing pick, but Quentin Johnson from I mm. believe TCU now with the Chargers mm. would be yeah. nice if he had a strong season. Um, it's a it's a sixteen person league, so oh my god, players and positions start going quickly. So anyway, like I had to take Herbert in the third round and. Uh, and it, it, Mike Williams came to me at a decent time as did. So you're going to be uh, a big Chargers guy this year. Right. Well, that's what I'm getting at here is that I've, I wound up, uh, you know, partially by fate and partially by, I guess, my own decision making, uh, really leaning on the Chargers. Sick uniforms, by the way. If we're doing, because we're, we're going to talk Auburn, I understand. We, we should. That's, mm-hmm. what people, that's what people paid for. Yeah. But um, briefly on the fantasy football front, what do you do with Jonathan Taylor? Like, is it is it not even? For, I didn't is it, is touch. It a, I didn't is touch it a stay him away. Year, oh yeah, but but I feel like whoever could get him it might ends up might end up like getting a steal because right? I think his, his stock was definitely lower than it probably should have been. I think I'm too much of a coward to take Jonathan Taylor like yeah. where where you need to take him in drafts this year. Um, who's the who's the top quarterback on the board for you, Justin? Like who? Who would be uh, like? Mahomes. A, is it? Is it? Who? Who do you got next after after Mahomes? If it's, uh, I would if it's go. I would cut. go Josh Allen after after Mahomes because Allen will give you the Allen will give you the rushing touchdowns. As I well. think uh, I have I, I have Trevor Lawrence in, in in the league in the big league. I'm in. I get the I get the Jalen Hurts enthusiasm. Oh, for I sure. I see a path for a monster season for uh, Lamar Jackson mm-hmm. uh, in 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 what's a a, a pivotal year uh, for him, and I. I don't know. Like there's there's a couple. I mean, uh, Painter mentioned Herbert. Like there's uh, there's there's yeah. some intriguing. You can get if, some good. You can get some good, some good quarterbacks. If you don't want to pay sure. what you have to pay for Mahomes, you know there's mm-hmm. there's some there's some good quarterbacks down the line. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's talk some Auburn football. That's what you came here for, like Dan said. Um, so Monday, uh, Hugh Freeze press conference talked to a few players as well. Like I said, we are going to try to focus on the game preview stuff, the UMass-specific stuff later in the week. But there's a good bit of talk about today that doesn't really have anything to do with UMass and more to do with Auburn entering week one. And let's start with, I think, the quote... Sorry, the quote that probably got the most attention on Monday and I think deserves some nuance and some explanation here. So let's peel back the curtain a little bit. Um... Right before uh, Freeze's press conference, we were handed uh, game notes, and for those of you who don't know what game notes are, uh, you can you can find them on the on the internet. Um, they usually are listed with the schedule on Auburn's official website. Uh, but the SIDs come together with a bunch of notes and and just like hey, matchup specific stuff. It's got roster information, stats. It's kind of a it's kind of a cheat sheet for media people. And game notes traditionally come with a two D depth chart and. Auburn had one, as is tradition. You put one out week one, and Auburn had one. And those of you who are on Twitter, or, you know, I know I know most of the sites put one up. You know, you can you can just type Auburn depth chart on Google right now and find one. Um, somebody has posted it somewhere. Your favorite outlet of choice. Um, but there was a there was a depth chart out, and we'll talk about some of the things we saw on the depth chart, and that'll that'll definitely be a focus in this episode but i do want to say because there is some confusion or maybe some 
you know, just I just want to kind of give give a little bit of understanding here. Hugh Freeze had a quote um, about the depth chart. Somebody mentioned the depth chart uh, to him in a question about the wide receivers. And he said, and I quote, I'm totally going to be candid with you. I don't even have a depth chart, so I don't know where that came from. I guess that's from the SID world. SID meaning sports information directors. They you know, are the communications people for Auburn. I don't do depth charts. It's really nonsense. I mean, you're going to play your four or five outside receivers and your two or three inside receivers in our system. I don't care who runs out there with the first group or the second group. They freely rotate, so I don't make much of those depth charts. So, what does that mean? Because I think there's a lot of different conclusions you can jump to with that. Number one, the question being about the receivers itself is really interesting because if you look at the depth chart, the receivers, you've got Jair Shorter and Omari Kelly listed as co-starters uh, at one spot with Coy Moore behind them. Coy Moore, by the way, had been injured for most of, of, of fall camp. Then you got Jay Fair or Javarius Johnson as co-starters uh, in the slot spot. Caleb Burton the third behind him. Then you got Shane Hooks uh, at the third receiver spot with Cameron Brown or Nick Martiner co-guys behind him. So, it you know, I wrote about this when I wrote my own depth chart prediction um, last week. It's like, yeah, the wide receivers specifically are going to be a mix and match. I feel like, you know, that's the one position group that when you ask a question about the depth chart, it's the one where the depth chart really doesn't matter right now. Like, that's the one position where you could kind of see that. But I don't want really, like, why is there a depth chart, and why did Hugh Freeze say, I don't use a depth chart and all that? Um, like I said, traditionally, you do have a depth chart. They come out with the game. As long as I've covered this team, there has been a depth chart. Now, some schools and some coaches get really paranoid about it, and they don't want to say anything. I think Tom Allen, uh, Indiana's head coach uh, today, it kind of went mini-viral on, on Twitter that he declined to name who the starting kicker would be before they play Ohio State. It's kind of ridiculous. Um, you know, there's some other stuff like that. But this this depth chart, you know, it's based on the information that we have gotten, basically. Like, when, when Auburn has – when you have a team – this isn't like Alabama. This isn't like some other places where, I mean, there's been a lot of openness to uh, fall camp. Like, we got to see a lot of this. And part of the reason why this depth chart, there weren't really many surprises, Dan, is because we got to see a lot of this. And so this depth chart is kind of based on that information. So us in the media, more specifically, the folks in radio, the folks in television who are calling this game can have kind of a guide to, hey, what is it? it's not set in stone. And sometimes head coaches will make their depth chart and give it to the SID. Sometimes it's more of kind of like a collaborative thing with the assistants and stuff like that. So when Freeze comes out and says, hey, I don't do depth charts, I don't care That's true, but that also doesn't mean that this all is made up either. So it, there's some nuance there to it, and I, and, you know, I kind of want to clear up some of that confusion because it does matter. But also it's not unshakable truth uh, and that, you know, they won't go away from that. There, there are going to be changes, and we'll talk about some probably here shortly. I'm projecting like what I think Hugh Freeze meant sure. with that answer, but like I'm, I think he was he was cautioning people against thinking that because one person is a starter and another person is a backup, right? That it's a reflection of how much they're both going to play on Saturday and. 
Uh, you know, he, he didn't want people thinking, well, player A is a starter, so he's had a good offseason, and player B isn't a starter, so they've had a bad offseason. He was sort of cautioning people against jumping to conclusions about what the depth chart says. Now, I would expect, with maybe one or two notable exceptions, Justin, mm-hmm. I would expect what we see on Saturday to begin the game to resemble the depth chart that Auburn put out. Sure. Today, like I think, I think there could be, there there could be a shakeup on the offensive line from what they what they yeah. announced earlier today. We we'll talk about that, sure, possibly. But like, there's, um, you know, and and what happens at running back? You know, how much are the backups involved? Uh, you know, what what does that ultimately look like? You know, that that's another thing to to find out. Uh, but I think Hugh Freeze didn't want people to believe that be, because. He didn't want folks to read too much into yes. a depth chart. Right. That's that's not to say that it's meaningless because I think Auburn put out some good information. Sure. Uh, but uh, there also could be some things that change between now and game day, and mm-hmm. there also could be some things that aren't represented on a depth chart that play out over the course of the game. Let me give you a quick example because uh, some of our inner circle members are asking me about this uh, on Twitter on on Monday. Um, Let's look at star, uh, the nickel spot. Keontae Scott listed as the starter. You know, no surprise there. Donovan Kaufman is the backup. Now, here's the thing. Donovan Kaufman has been mostly at safety when we've seen him in fall camp. He has played some some nickel. That's probably a position where they're going to mix and match and rotate depending on situations. People will look at it and say, where's Caleb Wooden? Well, we saw Caleb Wooden with second team star nickel throughout fall camp. So just because a guy's not on the sheet doesn't mean he's not going to play. But that was pretty cut and dry from last year. Keontae Scott, Donovan Kaufman, those were your nickels one and two. They haven't really, they, you know, they've both had those positions. They bring them back next year. That's just kind of, I don't want to say copy paste, but you're going to see Donovan Kaufman probably play some nickel at times. You are probably going to see Caleb Wooden play nickel at times. And, you know, that doesn't mean, like, Donovan Kaufman's listed at star here but not safety. I don't think there's any repeats on here between defensive positions and offensive positions. I don't think there is anyway. Donovan Coppins is going to play safety too. So it's like that's an example of like it matters, but don't get hung up in the weeds too much because you'll you'll see some you'll see some variations. See, but if you were going to draw conclusions from this depth chart, I mm-hmm. would think it's okay. The guys listed as starters are are folks you should expect to see early against yep. against UMass. And if you're not on the depth chart at your position, with, I mean, with maybe a couple of guys who have well-publicized reasons sure. why they wouldn't be, with 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 those exceptions, um, it it probably doesn't bode well for how much playing time you're in line for early, right? If you're not listed, and there are scholarship players at multiple positions where they they just they're not on the depth chart that, yeah. that Auburn put and, out today, and aren't just guys that just showed up. They're not not yeah. just true freshmen either. Like, like I do, I do wonder if it, you know, if it if it does reveal how much you're in the picture at the moment, and you know, especially for the guys that weren't recruited by Hugh Freeze, and that's something else. Justin, is mm-hmm. there is there one new arrival from the portal that didn't make this depth chart? Like I think every, I mean, of the um, of the guys of the guys Hugh Freeze brought in from from college football. I mean, they're all over this thing, which is what you want, right? If you're going out and getting players from the portal, right. like you don't want them to you don't want them to be spectators uh, bar- buried on the chart, but it's a reflection of the work Auburn had to do 
yep. this offseason that uh, w- I mean, I-, I think it's every single every think, single por- right. yeah. Yeah. every single pl- uh, transfer from the portal is uh, is is listed on this depth chart. It's a very veteran depth chart too. Um, the only spot where there are underclassmen that are listed as co-starters are wide receiver and uh, Alex McPherson at your know, special teams. Uh, you got some you got some guys there. Um, yeah, you're right, Dan. And like, look, offensive line. You mentioned that earlier. Right now, the offensive line as it's listed here is Dylan Wade, Jeremiah Wright, Avery Jones, Cam Stutz, and Gunnar Britton left to right. Now we saw towards the end of fall camp a lineup with the first team that Gunnar Britton was with left guard and was was at left guard and Isaiah Miller, too tall, was at right tackle. And Hugh Freeze talked about how much they needed to get too tall on the field and all that. You saw both of these lineups down the stretch. It could go either way. Even though this says right here that's with the lineup, that's probably the most used lineup we've seen in the first team in, in, in this preseason, in this fall. But if they revert back to Gunner playing left guard and Isavian playing right tackle, don't be surprised at all. Don't be surprised if off that's the starting lineup on 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 Saturday. Um, I think that could be something that during practice this week they are still trying to figure out which one they want to go with um, the most. Um, but so uh, you know, and situationally, don't get too hung up on on certain spots. Jalen McLeod's a great example. Steven Singh and Jalen McLeod are listed as the backups. Jack um, Elijah McAllister is the first one. Elijah McAllister has been t- veteran experience. Guys play a lot. Been taught about a ton in terms of his run um, stopping ability. Ability to set the edge. Sings more of a guy that can be some of both. McLeod more of a pass rusher, pass rushing specialist. Probably more of a third down guy. Guy at App State who didn't play every single down out there, which made his numbers as a pass rusher even more impressive when you look at him in the proper context. Elijah McAllister might be the first one out there at Jack. That doesn't mean the other two guys aren't going to play. Here's another example. Cam Riley listed as starting Will Linebacker. Eugene Asante behind him. All those guys are going to play. Like That is pretty, you know, Cam Riley was talked about and Asante were both talked about in the preseason as guys who were going to play a lot. So, and we, and we do know also, here another good example, defensive end, Masai Nasilakite, the transfer from Maryland, listed as a starter. Keldrick Falk, who has been battling some injuries. Zachivis Walker, he's had some off-field stuff. Uh, the passing of his grandmother recently. Um, you know, didn't see them as much with the first team down the stretch for different reasons. They're, those guys are going to play. They're going to be in the rotation, especially as a defensive staff that is going to rotate more this year than what we saw the last couple of seasons from Auburn staff. Let's go back to something that Ron Roberts said from the very beginning. We want to have 25 guys, okay? That's more than a two deep. And if you look at the guys on this sheet, I'm going to do some quick counting here. There are 28 dudes on here. Okay, and like we said, Caleb Wooden's not on here. A couple other guys that we might expect to see a little bit this year are not. So, like, that's the thing. It's like it was an old cliche that I think about all the time when I think about depth charts. One, I, I do think about how um, Kevin Steele used to say that you know they would run different stuff out at practice when we were out there just mess with us. 
But number two, the thing I remember more was when Steele used to say, hey, we don't have starters, we have standards. And going back to Hugh Freeze, what he said earlier, what we talked about, what we began this, conver- what we began this conversation with, is I don't think you want to get into a, in a case where it says this is set in stone, right? Especially with a team that's got so many new faces, they got opportunities early on to try different guys out and figure out what their best look is. This is going to evolve. This is going to adapt. So when the head coach comes out and says, hey, I don't believe in a depth chart, I, you know, I don't care who goes with the ones and the twos, especially at certain spots where they rotate a lot. It's true. But we also know they do believe in starters and backups because, A, they practice that way, and, B, two weeks ago it was a big deal that Peyton Thorne was the starter and they wanted to go ahead and name it. So it's not like it's useless like we were saying, but you got to kind of you got to kind of piece through not as much coach speak as more of just like what, you know, what coaches say to motivate their team in this kind of sense. And also like the true nature of what football is, especially on the defense side of the ball. Whereas it's not as much of a depth chart. It's just who can we trust and the rotations that come from that. And, and this is the thing that could evolve as, you know, if the run defense is struggling, they could try other guys. Right, like there's. Absolutely. I mean, this is an all hands Absolutely, on deck yeah. situation. Maybe players. I mean, Robert Woodyard comes to mind, right? Of yep. players that aren't listed yep. on the depth chart that that may be called into action. I guess later in the season, Jamison Travis, but that would also, you know, a lot of mm-hmm. things we need to line up for him. Darren um, you know, Reed, somebody. Darren like, Reed, sure. Those young guys that can get some more experience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so I think yeah, it's not it's not necessarily. I'd say especially for the younger players, like you know, I, I would I would hope they're not too discouraged if they're not listed as the as the one or the two now players that are getting up there in age um you know it might be a sign of of things to come you know or, or, you know it, it, sure. it's it's a different a different sort of situation getting back to the offensive line for a second um that's the number one thing i'm looking for first of all shout out to auburn for the viewing window game week practice viewing window first first i've ever had that and we we'll, that we have and we'll see that's tuesday afternoon we'll see what we get out of it and i wouldn't expect a ton just because it's so close to the game but i i was not expecting that so shout out to everyone involved who made that happen yeah that is that is something that not very many schools period will give you yeah that is really really cool and so i'm gonna i'm gonna play hooky from the first hour of the drive tomorrow and go to the window while bill cameron and andy burcham uh, chop it up on oh, uh, on, on espn 1067 and, and, and the drive yeah so i mean it's it's uh and then i'll get to come back in the second hour uh, and and tell folks about what i got to see uh, at practice and the the number one thing I'm looking for is how much how much too tall Miller is running with the first team at right tackle and and Gunner Britton at left guard because uh, that's I mean it, it was it was Britton at right tackle and Jeremiah Wright at left guard on the depth chart that we got today that's a position really more than any other where I wonder if that could change between now yeah. and w- when they take the field on Saturday. Because I think of the other position groups where there's some questions or some, oh, that's interesting, or some interchange. Those are spots that are naturally going to rotate. Like Free said, you know, you're a wide receiver, you're going to play a handful of guys on the outside, and you're going to play two or three guys on the inside. Well, bang, here they are right here listed. I mean, they're everybody, every scholarship receiver is listed a wide receiver except for Malcolm Johnson Jr., with the caveat that we know that Malcolm Johnson Jr. has had a lot of injury issues here in this preseason, and, and that's affected things. Um, real quick, Dan, let's go through this list. Let's go through this depth chart. Just quick, quick, you know, snap reactions to it. Again, like we said, put that in the proper context of this isn't etched in stone. This 
is going to change, evolve, and adapt. This could look different on Saturday. And Freeze himself has said, hey, he doesn't put as much stock into that as maybe um, you know, fans or media members would, would, would take into it. But this is useful. These are guides. And like I said, we've seen so much from fall camp that nothing really about this was too totally surprising. Um, and I think that's because we've seen so much in, in, in camp and that's, that's a good thing. That's, that's a good thing. And, um, yeah, you know, there is a depth chart, so to speak, but at certain positions, it matters more than others. And you always want to create a culture of competition and the fact that anybody can jump anybody at any point. So here we go. Quarterback straightforward, Peyton Thorne, Robbie Ashford, or Holden Garner behind him. I think just a way to get all three of those guys in that mix. Uh, I do think Ashford's going to play a role that's not necessarily the, maybe the same one that Gurner could play this year. Although, we'll see. I would jump in and say that that if Robbie Ashford's battling an oblique injury, as as Hugh Freeze revealed Good in the point. press conference earlier today. By the way, could, all, all these injuries that we these minor injuries that we'll bring up here um, are guys that freeze said could play on saturday so not totally you know out for those games questionable i I, I think is the best way to put it but i would think that maybe they'd be reluctant to use robbie ashford in in a role that requires him to run the football if if he's battling yeah yeah yeah, i I might and and maybe and maybe you give it a week and let cal wonder you know what sort of role robbie ashford has if any in the offense if 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 uh and and that also would give you a chance to give a holden some mm-hmm. reps yeah. potentially if uh, if if the game goes as anticipated. So yeah, I wouldn't. After hearing what Hugh Freeze said about Robbie Ashford today, I am I'm I'm not sure how much they they plan on getting him in if Peyton Thorne is available and and playing well uh, this uh, this this upcoming Saturday. Running back Jarquez Hunter, uh, followed by Amari, uh, Damari Austin, then Brian Batee. Uh, Jeremiah Cobb's going to play, I think, some role this season at some point. It'll just be a matter of how much and when. But it's a deep room. One, two, three. That's kind of how you would expect there. No surprises at running back. I would expect um, – I mean, I, I guess pe- people are wondering if the Jarquez thing is indeed, like, in the past – uh, he he did he did miss the first couple of days of practice. I don't know. I, I think that we won't know about his availability until nope. uh, we see him out there on Saturday. I don't think you're going to get an official word from anybody until then, or even no, and even it, despite that. If, if memory if memory serves correctly, uh, Cam Petway was suspended for the opener in 2017, mm-hmm. and we didn't we didn't find out until the team took the field and Cam Petway wasn't in uniform that night so it, it's it's something that has some precedent within the program if if indeed there's a suspension if Jarquez Hunter is out there when the game starts I, I would think then the the issue does you know it, it would it would seem to be in the rearview mirror at, at that point but you know we won't know until we see him out there I would think regardless uh, a, a lot of Demari Alston early seems to be the plan Tight end, Rivaldo Fairweather or Luke Deal makes a ton of sense. Fairweather, more of your receiving option. Deal, the veteran, more of your blocking option. Tyler Fromm or Brandon Frazier, again, that's a pretty similar pairing. The or behind that. And then Michael Riley, the uh, the redshirt freshman behind there. Pretty straightforward. Is it, again, not not surprising uh, getting Deal as a starter on there. And I think Fairweather is going to get the ball early and often this season. How many snaps can this offense divvy up between tight ends in like a competitive game? Do you think there's I mean, do you do you think there's a situation where depending on the depending on what job needs to be done, 
you could be leaning on one of three or four or five of these guys. I think you could play some of them. I think you could play all of them some snaps in a game. Riley will be interesting to see just because he's young and they're trying to trying to develop him for the future. But, yeah, I mean, I I think there's definitely a scenario this season for Auburn where most of the snaps they take this season are going to have a tight end on the field, even if that tight end split out wide. They may go 10 personnel from time to time, maybe some 20. Um, but I, I, I would expect with just as much seniority – and and depth they have at tight end, you want to use that as much as you can. Rivaldo is one of the more exciting skill position players on the whole team. Mm-hmm. Luke D- Luke Deal is a steamroller when you know he gets going as a run blocker. Uh, Tyler Fromm, you know, I think there are a lot of places, and it, it's a it's credit to Tyler Fromm, but I think there are a lot of places in college football where Tyler Fromm could have transferred and he'd just be the starting tight end and Brandon wouldn't be it, wouldn't be worried about it. Brandon Frazier. Or uh, Big Frage, I believe, as mm-hmm. Peyton, Peyton Thorne called him uh, when we were uh, when we were talking to Peyton uh, last week. That's a guy who you you could think might you know get get lost in the shuffle because he's been around so long and hasn't really been featured. But his teammates love his ability. And then Mike O'Reilly is somebody who's had a really exciting off season and has taken some steps forward in a for, for a coaching staff that didn't recruit him. Right, like this is a guy who yeah. was was a holdover from the previous staff, but uh, cl- clearly there's there's something there that this coaching staff likes in uh, in Mike O'Reilly. So yeah, that's that's another you know how you use them not just against UMass, but going forward, how Auburn utilizes all that talent is is something I want to see uh, this season. Uh, wide receiver, we talked about him at the beginning, but Amari Kelly and Jair Shorter listed as co-starters with Coy Moore behind him. That's kind of the flanker role. Jay Fair, Javarius Johnson in the slot with Caleb Burton with him. And then the big guys, Shane Hooks, Cameron Brown, and Nick Marner. Look, don't get hung up on on who's with who. I think the groupings are right. I think that's kind of the, the split you could see between the three positions. But I think there are going to be more roles and there are going to be more opportunities. This group's going to mix and match. We wrote about it on Monday. You're going to mix and match in these guys a lot because Auburn's got to find who can step up for them because right now it is pretty wide open. Outside of Javarius Johnson – uh, you don't have as much returning experience at Auburn, and a guy and guys like Jair Shorter and Shane Hooks and Nick Marner have done it at smaller levels of football. What is the buzz on O? Because that's a guy that we weren't really talking about all that much this off season, and then every time we're out the there, fall, he's... fall camp, man. Yeah, he, he, I mean, he came on. Uh, yeah, uh, the energy's big. I think he's the big blocking. Uh, guy as well, you know that that got dudes on the field kind of early in their careers in the previous. I mean, we go back to the Malzahn era, uh, but uh, free set on Monday that um, you know he's improved the juice that he brings uh, to the field. Love the way his pra- practices, the love his energy, um, kind of being consistently good and giving that kind of effort level every single snap um, has gotten him an opportunity. So can he translate that to some catches and some production? We shall see, but that is a that is a guy that I think is kind of him and Jay Fair have been dudes that have been talked about quite a bit. There were a little bit more surprises here in in fall camp. Speaking of those receivers that got on the field early in their careers uh, as as blockers, Shedrick Jackson with yeah. the preseason uh, preseason touchdown catch uh, yep. last night for the uh, for, for the Bengals battling. Going to be tough, but battling for a spot a, on uh, that on, is on, a on that cra- roster. That is a crazy wide receiver group that he's having to having to fight with. 
Uh, we talked offensive line already, but you know, just looking for the two different uh, options there. Your backups: Jaden Muskrat at left tackle, Tate Johnson, looking like he's behind Jeremiah Wright at left guard, depending on how all that goes. Connor Lewis center, Julia Irvin at right guard, and then and then Tutal Miller at right tackle. Like we said, we talked about offensive line already. Don't want to don't want to spend too much more time on it, but like like Dan said, that's going to be the thing you need to pay attention. I think the rest of this week is is going to be big for those guys. Might need to offer a correction, Dylan Senda. Not on the depth chart, right? Yeah, and he's a special. He's a special case too. He's a special case. Yep. I mean, I would I would look at Dylan Senda more like a true freshman than a than a than a, than a we, true transfer. Look, I, I I'll offer a prediction, and I'm you know again a lot's up in the air. I I don't know what I'm sure about with this team. I think Dylan Senda's on the depth chart by the end of the season, my friend. Like he had a I he had a really impre- yeah I think so, and that's a guy. Um, fighting for a starting job in 24 if you gave good good good, a good spot for him if you if you gave me an offensive line of i'm thinking about this and and, because brian matthews made a point similar to this one on the drive today if you you gave me an offensive line of of uh muskrat and too tall at tackle um tate johnson and Dylan Senda at guard Connor and, and Connor Liu at center. I'm not sure. I'm not sure Auburn started a better offensive line than that at its best last season. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's, and that's the, that that's the second team offensive line for this team, potentially depending on what happens at right tackle with Britain and, you also got and, and, you also and too got, tall Miller. You also got Jaleel Irvin, who had a really good camp in that mix as well. That's right. Experience there. Jaleel Irvin, who adds another another player. Who's I mean, there there are four or five. There are four or five guys with with center experience. Yep. On on this team, you know, if 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 disaster happens, I know there are people people refer back to that season, right? Where Auburn, <laughs> the season of five centers. For, oh God, uh, for, yeah. For, for Auburn yeah. football, well, absolutely. I mean, if if if, uh, if if you had something like that here, I mean, it, at least you you feel like you have a bunch of guys who are capable of playing the position. Uh, defense. Uh, don't want to toot my own horn too much, but I uh, got the defensive line right in my predictions. The two deep was pretty straightforward. Uh, Masana Silakite, uh, Jason Jones, Marcus Harris listed as your starters. Keldrick Falk or Zykevis Walker at defensive end. Justin Rogers, Lawrence Johnson. I mean, this group's going to rotate a ton. We we mentioned it earlier. Some younger guys, uh, some newcomers, Bobby Bobby Jamison, Travis, maybe a guy like Darren Reed uh, at some point this year could be the man. Mention Jacks as well. Uh, middle linebackers, uh, Austin Keys, uh, Larry Nixon the, the third, Wesley Steiner in that order there. Pretty straightforward. Um, Keys and Nixon, both guys that are above 230 uh, and uh, just traditional tackle magnets at inside linebacker steiner dealt with some injuries uh in uh in camp um we'll be interested to see how much playing time he gets he kind of fell out of the rotation late last year and then weak side linebacker cam riley as we said earlier cam riley eugene asante i think both of those guys can end up being close to even in terms of snap count this year the, the, the four linebackers we'll get back to defensive line in a second but the four the four linebackers i expect to see the most at the moment are keys nixon riley and Asante, and I think it could be very even between those four guys. If you know who, if if there's a fifth guy, and who who it is, Steiner, and, and, Woodyard, yeah, if or, or or I guess one of the capable walk-ons that would be battling would be in would Wood be Vant. in that group, yeah, yeah, something something like that. I I, I don't know. 
Um, but th- those four guys seem to have separated themselves a little bit for one reason or another. Uh, as, as far as the defensive line goes, I still wonder. I still wonder if they're happy with the sheer number of guys they've got, or if they're uh, asking. You know, yeah, we talked about this with Nathan. I think I think they could love another guy or two to step up. Just I don't know if they have them right now. Right. I I do wonder. I mean, Sings has played some defensive end before. Um, yeah, I, I do. We haven't seen you him probably do any. put McAllister down there as well. Sings yeah. two forty eight is two forty eight light for a for a three man defensive front. Yeah, in in this conference, that's a that's, McAllister two seventy one more of a run stopper. I you could you could steal some snaps. So there with so, so maybe if they're really happy with the production of all three guys at Jack, maybe you're looking for ways to get them on the field together. Right. I have a you know I I think you're gonna see. I know I sort of adopted this guy early on in camp, but I think you're going to see a lot of Steven Sings the fifth. Yeah, like that. That's a guy to me that that in the uh, because and and it's I think it's in part because of the you know of, of what else they have at the position. But if they're worried about the run defense, I could see why they're going to lean on the guys with a little bit more size at the jack position. And Sings, I think what I keep coming back to with him is when when you have when you have a guy follow his head coach and several position coaches to a new school, they know exactly what they have in him. And when, when times get tough or uh, if, if they're unhappy with the other, the other players of that position, I, I could see Steven Sings getting the call because they feel like they, they know exactly, you know, that they, his reliability and work ethic are things that they've cited as reasons why uh, he's gotten as far as he has. So, yeah, I could see I could see Auburn calling on Steven Sings a lot uh, to, to, to help in the front seven. Cornerback, uh, no, no surprises here. DJ James, Nehemiah Pritchett, uh, backups of four corners behind there, and I think that shows the depth that's kind of been developed here in the fall. K and Lee, Colton Hood, both those freshmen had really good camps, uh, and then Champ Anthony and JD Rim. On the other side, Rim, a guy that uh, might not be 100% at the start of the season, uh, Champ Anthony, the new JUCO transfer. That's pretty straightforward. We did mention the Keontae Scott-Donovan Kaufman situation uh, there. Uh, one of the safety spots on Puckett, Marquise Gilbert, and Terrence Love getting some love uh, at uh, the, the safety spot. And then finally, uh, you can read about him some along with uh, Eugene Asante in today's Observer Newsletter. Uh, I'm going to tag Painter in here because free safety, Jalen Simpson behind him. Auburn High's very own Griffin Speaks, uh, a young man that I covered uh, at Auburn High. And Painter once uh, got an up-close-and-personal uh, uh, look at the uh, the Griffin Speaks career uh, at Auburn High. But, yeah, uh, we need to talk a little bit more about Griffin. But, Painter, dear old Auburn High, repping, repping once again with a guy on the two-deep, a walk-on on the two-deep. How about the Tigers starting the season out with a bang? Oh, yeah. Baby Tigers uh, off to a great start. Man, beating Hoover. I'll tell you one thing. Apologies to any of y'all out there who are Hoover people because um, I know there are probably some of you out there. Auburn has defense in the second half. They made Hoover quit. Hoover was tired of playing football in the fourth quarter. So, good good start for, for uh, dear old Auburn High. But Griffin speaks. I, I, wanna, I want to – I want to say a few things. You can read a lot more about Griffin in in the newsletter uh, today. But Griffin Speaks um, kind of came out of nowhere for some of y'all. Uh, there were some people today. Now, if you read the observations in practice um, during fall camp, I mentioned Griffin a few times. I know some other sites, some of the message board sites, 
Um, had folks talking about him and writing about him as well. Griffin Speaks uh, played. Uh, let's see. It was. Uh, I think it's. Uh, I think he redshirted in 2019 at Baylor. Played the last three seasons there. Played a handful of defensive snaps, not a ton, but uh, was a big special teams guy at Baylor. Transfers back home to Auburn uh, because lo and behold, the guy who's his defensive coordinator, the dude who's been in the system for three years, been in his system for three years, Ron Roberts is now back. Is now at Auburn. Speaks makes the transfer over. Like I said, Donovan Kaufman is going to play some safety. I think you can see Caleb Wooden play some safety. But, Dan, I don't know how much you saw him in, in practice. Uh, I kept an eye, a pretty close eye on him again because he's a local kid. But Griffin Speaks was the second team. This isn't a fluke. This isn't a typo. This isn't a, hey, uh, you know, uh, this isn't a, this isn't a hey, let's give the local kid some love kind of thing. Look, he legitimately was running yeah. with the twos in, in camp. Yeah, this isn't Rudy. Like yeah, this isn't yeah. like the, the other the other players aren't volunteering to get Griffin Speaks on the field. Like he's earned his spot, and I think it gets back to what we were saying about Stephen Sings, where when when you reunite with a coach, Nick Martin and Marcus Davis is a little bit of this too. When you re, when you reunite with a coach at a new place, that coach knows what he's getting. He could have declined you, right, based on. Uh, you know, based on what he saw about you, you know, what he saw from you the first time, and the fact that the coach wanted, uh, in the, in this case, wanted Griffin Speaks as part of his roster, uh, you know, tells you there's some confidence in what Griffin Speaks brings to the table, and, and yeah, it's a feel good story too because he was the quarterback of the local high school team, uh, but but there's uh this you know that that doesn't matter when the guy can help the team yeah and and it sounds like this guy can help the team knowing the system's huge uh freeze even said it on on monday you wish he was a little bigger and a little faster uh if you're gonna play him uh, a good bit on defense but here's the thing like like rudy like rudy <laughs> but no i mean I, he spent three years knowing this system he knows it as well as anybody uh and Eugene Asante talked about it on Monday, and again, some of this is in the story. But like when you look, being that safety spot, getting the coverage lined up, knowing where everybody should be, because there's a lot of moving pieces, a lot of new to this defense. Having a safety back there who can, who knows what to do, who knows where to be, can help his teammates out a ton. And I think you're going to see Griffin Speaks steal some snaps. Uh, at defense and get in get in that rotation. Like I said, there are other scholarship safeties that could be playing back there that that uh, that could take some take some time, obviously. But Speaks is going to be a dude on special teams, and like Free said uh, on Monday, he's got a shot to be in the rotation. Let's see what let's see what he let's see what he does and uh, see what he does with his opportunities. I think uh, really cool story, but also like there is value in it because this dude knows Ron Roberts' defense really really well and that can be a boost to the guys around him who maybe scholarship guys maybe have more talent than him no disrespect to griffin he's a good football player for sure um maybe the guys are that were high you know higher recruited and all that on scholarship um can help those guys out by you know being an extension of the coaching staff on the field which is what you like from a safety i'm gonna sound a million years old but when we got those depth charts I, I've never seen WC as a position. So that's a typo. In the secondary, and I was racking my brain. I've heard of Monster. I've heard of Rover. Yeah. Like I've seen I've seen different names for the safety spot, but Zion Puckett, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, Painter. On the depth chart we were given today, 
Zion Puckett is listed as the starter at WC. Yeah, he won the National League wild card this year. We're proud of him. Um, right, and WC Fields, you know, from on Walter, cinema. Walter Cronkite. Uh, no, that that's a typo. We found that out. Um, should be WS, should be weak side safety uh, there for for uh, for the position that Zion Puckett, Marquise Gilbert, and Terrence Law there. Would be cool, though, if you, you, you call your safety like a wildcat or a wild card or uh, I don't know what else you could do off of that. Wild thing. Oh, it's got to be C. Yeah, oh, okay, C. Okay. Yeah. Uh, special teams, real quick. Alex McPherson uh, is your starting kicker. Uh, Oscar Chapman is your starting punter. Chapman's also holding. According to this depth chart, Reed Hughes beating out a, a tenured senior uh, in Jacob Quattlebaum for the starting job at long snapper. Uh, return men, who he expected. Keontae Scott, Caleb Burton, both listed with punt returner. Uh, Brian Batee, Jarquez Hunter, at kicker turner. That's... That's about as, as straightforward as you could have expected Bet- with this group. Between the, between the punter, again, Mc, McPherson's still largely a, a, a potential uh, gamble. Yeah. It's it's not, you know, but but this is a guy who profiles like a superstar at kicker. And has Auburn sent some guys to the league who seem like superstars at kicker, mm-hmm. by the way? Shout out, shout out again to, 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 the, to the brothers Carlson. Yeah, um, uh, Anders, Anders had a, it looked like Anders was having a shakier start to, to preseason and, and life. Uh, with the Packers, and that uh, I think he's come on and hit some hit some bombs here recently, and then Daniels continued to do what Daniel did. I think he hit like a sixty something yarder in practice the other day, or in a yeah. preseason game the other day. Monster. So between yeah, between Chapman and and McPherson and the and the returners, uh, Auburn uh, seems to have going into the season. It's it's that that is a position where for a team that's had as much turmoil as much turbulence, new coaching staff. Subpar win loss record last year. They are they are blessed, right? They've got they've got some luxury mm-hmm. at at the special teams at the most important spots in special teams, and that's important for a key reason. And Freeze mentioned it on Monday, and we'll talk about it here shortly. But we take care of some business first. Hello, folks. If you like this podcast, you would like more of it. Uh, subscribe to the Auburn Observer. You also get all the newsletters. Uh, we're co- those are coming out fast and furious here this time of year. You're gonna get something pretty much every day of the week, and then sometimes multiple somethings every day of the week from the Observer in your inbox, whether it is a newsletter or a podcast. Auburn football had a little basketball this weekend. Uh, thanks to all those who, uh, all those you, of you who enjoyed that. Really appreciate Bruce Pearl uh, giving us some time on Friday morning. Um, Bruce has been traveling all over. He just had the passing of his father. This is a dude who, I'll, I'll say this, probably didn't need to be talking to the media, didn't have to be talking to the media on a Friday morning in August, but he did, and so we appreciate him for it. A lot of great info. You can check that out um, from uh, from what we got from Bruce uh, over the weekend. But, yeah, we got a ton of stuff coming. Uh, this week we Bonus podcast. Um, we'll go ahead and say it. Uh, we will put it out sometime later this week. This will probably go out. I think I'm gonna. Think we're going to put it out on Friday. Was there Friday? I can't can't tell you. We'll we'll let you know. But we're finally uh, doing it. We're finally doing it uh, by pop. Not what Dan's thinking <laughs> by popular demand. Um, some of you have asked because uh, our topics on this show often veer towards food and restaurants. I've talked about wanting a, a food podcast, and then the most common question uh, we get non football or basketball related this time of year is, "Hey, I'm going to Auburn, and uh, uh, I haven't been in a while. Where should I eat? I'm going. I'm in town for game weekend." Dan and I are going to do a podcast. Where we're just going to run down our favorites, some of the best options we uh, we can give you. Um, so that podcast will come out later this week, just in time for game week. 
You can check that out. Uh, Friends of the program will be back uh, here shortly uh, in the near future. Uh, first few games of the season, we're going to let the boys gear up uh, with the, with non-conference slate. That'll be back up uh, with Painter and Pablo and and, uh, and uh, our, our, our buddy, of course, Big Dave. Um, what else am I missing? I'm not missing anything else. Oh, oh yeah, I am. Uh, film room, uh, mailbags. Uh, no, I'm talking newsletter side now. Film room, mailbags, ton of stuff. Uh, observations, uh, post-game observations. And then uh, as I'm doing it, uh, uh, calling it 13 for 13, we're going to do 13 newsletters on the 2013 football season. Those are going to come out on Thursday mornings this year. It's going to come out on the same morning as our our game preview podcast. First one coming out on Thursday. A really fun one that I started working on uh, this past weekend on the 2013 season opener and uh, how that was a a tone setter uh, for – a season that nobody saw coming. So you can check that out. AuburnObserver.com. We're running our special still. We've got a few more days left. $4 a month or $40 a year for your first year. So you can either pay 48 if you want to pay per monthly, or you can pay $40. we will save you a couple of, couple of months for free if you go ahead and sign up right now. AuburnObserver.com. There are links in the description. You know, there are links in the uh, uh, buttons and the emails and all that good stuff. Um, you can sign up there. It's a good time, perfect time to do it. Well over 100 folks now have joined up here since we started this in fall camp. So happy that all y'all are here. And, uh, again, you're running out of time to get the best deal of the year, and it's the best deal we're going to run all year, so jump on it. I've heard we're also thinking about doing 99 for 99, <laughs> which is where I bring on people, and we, we do my favorite 99 movies from the year 1999. And, and so it's like every – yeah, like we could have like like you could come on and talk about the Matrix or maybe or uh, Painter could come on and discuss the South Park movie. Like there's you know we could find it. That's a that's a that's one of the better years of the last you know thirty or forty years. You know there, there's some some great stuff released in uh, in 1999. So we'll we'll put that one we'll we'll, we'll put that one on the board uh, as a uh, as as a potential series. Yeah, Painter Painter likes it, so we'll we'll discuss that uh, after the show. Uh, Painter. Tell the folks at home that they can help us out uh, with no more money down, whether they are a subscriber or not. Rate, review, subscribe. Oh my, subscribe! <laughs> I told you I was struggling. I thought y'all were. La- I thought you were lagging, and then no, that was just no. You. That was just it's you just having a hard brain. time. So yeah, rate, review, and subscribe, folks. We're coming up on it. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, this will be August 29th. So you've got a few days left. We're still doing the thing in August that we've talked about doing. You give us a review on Apple Podcasts, five stars. Make us laugh. Make us feel good about ourselves. What, you know, we're wide open. We're going to pick, each of us, each of the three of us are going to pick a, a our favorite review from the month of August. That person, those three people, will win uh, Home Field Apparel gift cards. So you've got a few more days left to do this. We will pick those next week, so you'll have time. There's sometimes a delay in when they pop up, but... You have until the end of August to do it. We will pick it next week, so you still got some time. Go to Apple Podcast, give us a review, five stars, uh, make us laugh, make us feel good about ourselves. You know, w- whichever direction you want to go, we'll each pick our favorite one specifically, uh, all three of us, and uh, those people will get home field apparel gift cards. Got some really good ones already. Really appreciate that. But yeah, five star reviews. This is you're running out of time if you want to enter for a chance to win. Also. Speaking of home field apparel, homefieldapparel.com, the number one place to buy your collegiate apparel. Folks, it's here. It's football season. 
at some point, the sun will stop baking us alive, and it will get cooler, and we will need hoodies, and we will need quarter zips, and we will need crew deck uh, sweatshirts, and we will need a lot of good stuff uh, from the good brand who celebrated a birthday. Happy birthday, Homefield, by the way. Uh, Homefieldapparel.com. It's the best Auburn stuff you're going to find anywhere. It's the best collegiate stuff you're going to find. If there are teams and colleges that you love or just think their stuff looks cool and you haven't um, gotten some home field yet, go check them out. They've got hats, too. They've got a really cool uh, baby blue, powder blue Auburn hat uh, that's that's really, really nice. Um, but you can go to homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code OBSERVER23 when you check out. You get 15% off at your first time ordering. Also, by the way, it is the only place where you can buy the Auburn Observer T-shirt. Uh, really comfortable uh, Heather Navy T-shirt uh, with our logo on it. Support the brand uh, from the good brand. Uh, and uh, buy yourself an Observer T-shirt. Just search Auburn Observer at Home Field and get that. A lot of great Auburn stuff on there, too. They're running specials and a lot of good stuff here uh, during this, this, this football season, this kickoff week. So Home Field Apparel is the place to do it. Check it out. Observer 2-3 upon checking out if you want 50% off of your very first order. I said that weird. All right, boys. Um, before uh, we wrap up today's episode, we got we got a little bit uh, to go. I want to talk about something that stood out for me to me from Hugh Freeze on, um, on Monday. And, again, we're going to save a lot of our UMass preview stuff for uh, our next episode, which will come out on Thursday morning. Uh, so keep that in mind. I I get it. And we've talked about this, guys. Dan Painter, I know we've talked about this all offseason. There's a lot of excitement about Auburn football right now. And you know what? There should be. You know, people, you know, it's you know, there there's some there's some energy and excitement around the program, the off the field direction in terms of recruiting, in terms of resources, facilities, all that good stuff. And the last couple of years were pretty tough if you're an Auburn fan. I, 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 I totally understand that. And you want to get fired up. Uh, you're selling out a game where it's going to feel like it's probably going to be on the surface of the sun against UMass uh, in, in week one. Um, I do want to caution, though, again, about getting your expectations too, too high. Because, again, this is a rebuild. It's going to be a multi-year process. And... Hugh Freeze isn't necessarily hiding the fact that he thinks this team's going to take some time and this program's going to take some time to build back up. Not punting on this year or anything, but I want to caution Auburn fans of getting their expectations too high that they are disappointed when this team meets the expectations of folks out in Vegas or, say, something like SP Plus projections where they only go like 7-5 and five and... Don't get disappointed. Don't get crushed by that because that's kind of where things are. When you've had back-to-back losing seasons, getting back on the positive side of things is success enough. I know it's not the biggest thing in the world when Alabama and Georgia, especially Georgia, have done what they've done recently. Um, But I say all that to say this. Hugh Freeze had a couple of comments on Monday where he kind of threw some stuff. He had some stuff last week on Tiger Talk as well where it was kind of like, oh, Okay, it's like you can hear him kind of caution. And the one that stood out to me was I asked Hugh Freeze about the running back room and the depth there, um, just the number of guys they can use this season. And he said, the facts are if you're able to run the ball, you can shorten the game, and I think that might be advantageous to us this year. 
That's about as straightforward as you can say it. It's like, hey, guys, don't expect 2019 LSU out of this crew. Don't even expect 2013 Auburn out of this crew, I wouldn't think. Um, but, Dan, it just strikes me that a lot of different turns this offseason, like Hugh Freeze has got done a lot and the staff has done a lot. These players have done a lot to generate excitement. Fresh start, new era, honeymoon period, everyone's happy. But also, like, don't don't go too overboard with that excitement and and get and get crushed when uh, when things don't turn out. This team doesn't turn out to light the world on fire this year because I don't think they're expecting to go crazy. Uh, and there's some things that we've we we can say and point to that kind of show that. Yeah, and I don't want to I don't want to demean or insult anyone who expects Auburn football to to achieve great things on a regular basis because that's you know Auburn Auburn is a, a proud program that's that's enjoyed success, but uh, you know I think Hugh Freeze inherited a roster that was in disarray, and if he hadn't taken drastic action, Auburn might have been looking at a three or four win season this year mm-hmm. and that and that might be based around the fact that they scheduled three teams that have no business beating an SEC team on on this year's schedule yep. and if you want if you want to lump Cal in there you can i would be careful about that cuz Cal has you know wins in their in yeah. their history that would Auburn take, will but, probably but the, be a single digit favorite at Cal nothing too but, crazy just get out of there with a win would be positive you know what? And and we'll we'll uh, I want to get back to expectations for this year. I'm really interested in Cal North Texas on Saturday. Yeah, Cal is uh, Cal's favored by I believe less than a touchdown at the moment. Going that on game's the road, in Denton, I think. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. game is in that that game is in the home of the Von Ericks, right? That game is in Denton. Uh, the shout the, out the, to the, the Mountain one. Goats, best, best yeah, best ever death metal band out of Denton. Oh man, and uh, and of course, uh, what the Chavo Guerrero song? You know, love oh, yeah. love the uh, love the love the Mountain Goats. Yeah, but, but the yeah, the outro song is definitely going to be Mountain Goats. Uh, yeah, today. Well, sh- shout out to Beat the Champ. The whole the whole record's great. Uh, but uh, so so yeah, Cal's playing a Cal's playing a competitive, really interesting game where Jair we, where Jair Shorter and Larry Nixon just came from. Yeah, and, and so and, and I wonder if that the main green yeah, Stone Cold. I, I don't I don't know how much it like I I want to say it, it's advantage Auburn. To see Cal have to play like a, a game where they're challenged the sure. week before Auburn comes to town. Uh, at the same time, it could be an advantage for Cal to 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 have to respond to that sort of situation the week before they host a program like Auburn. So yeah, I, I think that Cal North Texas is a is is a really interesting uh, is a really interesting game there on on opening day. As for Auburn's expectations, yeah, I would. You know, I, I think it's possible that the win loss record could improve incrementally from last year, but because of what Auburn stood to lose at the end of the season, it's still an achievement for Hugh Freeze because he helped avert the disaster that Auburn was facing mm-hmm. after after the twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two stretch for the team and especially where things stood you know, with with the roster at the end of 2022. So that's, you know, that's where I would, again, not to, not to warn people to accept. I'm not trying to get people to accept less than they should. No, but, and if they catch lightning in a bottle and make every, every projection look bad later on, like they did in 2013, like they've done in the passing year ones, go nuts, go crazy. 
um, you know, flex on them like that. You know, you have that right as a fan. But also, is it like, hard? Is it harder? Is it harder than ever before to project to because of the amount of turnover yeah. we're seeing? I like, don't know like, what to expect from this football team this year. What was what? What did the projections say about TCU last year? Oh, right, man. you know, they, yeah. they mo- monster Similar roster thing. turnover. Yeah. And and I'm again I'm not saying Auburn's going to the national championship game. Well, I like, just think the, about the, LSU. They won the SEC West after people left them for dead after that first game against Florida State. That really weird game, which they're running back on on the, Sunday this year. The, um, the projections the projections loved A and M last year. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Upsets happen and and teams fall apart and then teams catch fire. It happens. But to your point, Dan, this was in the game notes, and uh, it's a question that you've had, and I never actually researched it, but now. The good, the good folks who do the game notes that Auburn did. Auburn's playing five teams this year that are preseason ranked or in the preseason top twenty-five AP poll. Uh, no other team has that. Auburn's the only one. So there you go. In that, in that one specific way, you could argue that Auburn has the toughest schedule in the country this year, and so that's going to be tough. Damn, we were talking before we hit record. I made the argument that as of right now, if you wanted to bet on future Auburn games. Auburn's probably a dog in six of them at least right now. And again, that's again that's the thing. If they go seven and five, which for some people is when people predict seven and five or they say seven and five, oh that's way too low. Oh that's way too low. Uh, again, I get it as a fan being optimistic. This is the time of year to do it. But I just don't want you to stretch yourself out too too hard. Especially when you have a head coach, I think in a lot of ways he's saying trying to caution it. It's like, hey, we're going to have to do some stuff this year. Kind of build. Hugh Freeze was on Tiger Talk last week talking about needing to recruit better. <laughs> right? They're about to play. <laughs> and, like, this is going to be a multi-year build and multi-year process. Um, but, yeah, like, 7-5, and five, like you were saying, Dan, like, as it stands right now, 7-5 and five would mean beating somebody you weren't supposed to beat or at least doesn't look like you're supposed to beat right now. And you can kind of – Things will change, especially in like that Ole Miss game at home, that Arkansas game on the road. Those could change pretty wildly depending on what happens between now and then. I mean, there are five teams in the top 25 of the AP poll on Auburn's schedule. And a sixth team, Arkansas, is getting more votes than Auburn in the AP top 25 poll And you play right them on now. the road. And, and you go to Fayetteville. So, I mean, it, you know, to, to say, well, Chalk would say six and six this year. Mm-hmm. Can Auburn can Auburn outperform that? Uh, you know, I, I think there's a way they could. Yeah, there's also a way that one of those chalk games slips away from Auburn if the if the season is more challenging. Yep. But you know, I, I do think that Auburn has added the right pieces to improve a lot immediately. Also, you know, m- maybe it's not enough, right? Like they've added the pieces you would think would say, okay, well, if you look at the the most urgent problems coming out of last year. I think Auburn has done what they can to address them. Maybe the run defense is one where try, trying to trying to go from a bottom three, bottom four run defense in the SEC to a lot better than that in one year is like what I mean. You think about what that entails a lot to you know as far as what you what you would need to bring in, and that doesn't account for like Auburn's run defense struggled last year with Owen and Colby. And Derek playing as much as they playing as much as they did, right? And so you got to find a way to replace those guys yep. and improve drastically yep. as a run defense from where they were last year. It's a tall order. Like Auburn's doing what they can, but that and maybe more than any other single aspect of the team, 
that could be a multi-year thing because it's you know unless it you know it's it's not like seven or eight guys that can come in and impact a run defense are all hanging out in the portal looking to join the same team look compared to 2013 and there's gonna be a lot of 2013 talk this year because it's the 10th anniversary because it's a year one heck i'm writing a whole series on it i get it gotta remember in 2013 auburn was three years removed from a national title Gus had only been gone for a year. They picked up right where they left off in terms of scheme. They had recruited a lot better. Auburn has not recruited well. They have not retained uh, the what they have recruited these last couple of years. You know, big, a lot of problems. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of things went backwards. And so you're starting from a different zone than others have when you want to compare it to like what LSU did last year when they shocked everybody uh, by winning the SEC West. And I'll even say in 2021, what the previous staff inherited from Malzahn, different, different recruiting, different setup, all that. Um, so be excited, be fired up. This could be a fun year for Auburn. Um, I just I, I wrote about it in the mailbag not too long ago, and, and I wanted to say it again here. It's like when you have your head coach coming out and saying, "Hey, <laughs> you know, we're gonna have to short some games. Hey, we got to recruit some better people. Hey, special teams is gonna be really big for us this year." You know, that's honesty that you're not going to get from every coach uh, in terms of how they feel about their team this year. Um, but I think it's I think it's a I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing, and you know, you don't want to overshoot people and hype them up too much. And coaches are going to be the last ones to do that. Uh, but it did stick out to me where you know, especially when you have it have Auburn fans, you know, being like, oh, seven and five. You know, it's, this team's definitely going over that. Maybe, but like. There are reasons why the expectations are what they are at this point, and and you can even hear some of that in in what the head coach is saying. I'm I'm not taking shots at any one person in the media, you know, covering Auburn because a lot of people do this. But it's like if you're guaranteeing me anything about this team, I want to know how did you feel about the team going into last season. Yeah, and, and, I, you, and, to, you, and to be clear, what Dan's saying, I don't think anybody's guaranteeing anything on yeah, the beat. Yeah. Like, like I mean, I just I think it's nuts to. Uh, I think if you've been covering this team for long enough or at all, you know that. I mean, again, as we've talked about plenty of times, like Auburn is the least predictable team in college football, positive and negatively. That is a historic thing that is built into the brand. And, and I mean, it's going to be a gauntlet when you when you play four teams in five weeks that are all preseason top twenty five teams. Um, but that, that is survival mode. That is survival yeah. mode more than just like, hey, wait, maybe we can maybe we can run the table there. Like, oh, good. yeah, woo, and old and old Miss at the end of it too, right? Hugh Freeze, you know, you know, gets gets his battle. Like, there's with, a real with chance the, that the you're you've got a three game losing streak heading to Ole Miss, and like you need that one, and like that's that's a different situation than you know I, I think people would have expected, but like they, that could easily happen. And and this is an Ole Miss team that you know some of the folks around that program think. It's been generations oh, since they had it since oh, they had a team that talented. I'll say this: no matter how you feel about Ole Miss and their talent level this year, the fact that they have the best running back in the league coming back should be enough for this specific matchup. To I mean, that could be Auburn's kryptonite because it was last year. And the fact that there's a running back in the league better than Rocket Sanders, yeah, at Arkansas. I mean, what a, I mean, what an endorsement of Quinshawn. And I, I don't disagree with you. No, but it's like those, those numbers are, don't lie with with, with are, Jenkins. But those are two of the better running backs in yep. the the country, um, and you know, George, that, and you know, Georgia and Alabama and some of these teams, LSU are just are going to have 
elite talent at running back because they always do. Um, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. But again, uh, be excited, be fired up. But also, there's a reason why the expectations are where they are. And if Auburn blows it out uh, this year and over uh, you know exceeds them and goes wild uh, with it, you know, go crazy, celebrate like it's 2013 all over again. 93. I mean, so many other examples we could point to. But if Auburn hits around expectations or even falls a little bit below them, you're talking about a team that's scraping and fighting and itching and clawing and scratching and all that to get to a bowl game and then get a little bit over 500 and just have a winning season. Um, I'd say don't be shocked and don't be crushed either. Like that's don't set yourself up for disappointment, but um, be happy, be, be excited, be fired up just uh, drink a lot of water and, and protect yourself. If you're actually going to be at the game Saturday. Because I have a feeling it's going to be pretty brutal, uh, heat-wise. We will talk about that UMass game. We will preview that UMass game. We will talk a lot about that. That'll be the Thursday podcast for subscribers. It'll be Thursday morning. You get that, the 2013 newsletter as well. The first one of those will come out on Thursday. Got stuff throughout the week. Mailbag on Friday. Send in questions. Uh, tweet them at me. Email them to me. Um, week one mailbag is always a lot of fun. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll uh, answer those on Friday. Uh, and then our food pod Wednesday or Friday, we'll put it out. We'll see. We'll see. I'm thinking Friday, but we'll, uh, we'll, man, what do you think? What do you think guys? Let's, let's do it. Let's do editorial meeting right, right live on here. Wednesday or Friday. What do we think? What's the best time to put that podcast out? Ooh, I feel like Friday, it gets lost in the shuffle sure. of, uh, of, of all the other stuff. Let's do Wednesday. You know, pregame stuff. Let's do yeah, Wednesday. I think so. All right. Painter's not his head. Wednesday. It is Wednesday. It is Wednesday morning. Where should I eat if I'm coming to Auburn for game weekend? We got you set up. It's going to be on Wednesday morning. Um, that's it for me. Thank you guys again. Uh, one more time. The sale expires in a few days. $4 a month or $40 a year. It's the best sale we've ever done. Jump on it right now. We email everything to you, and we're going to get a ton of stuff out because uh, this is the busiest and most fun time of the year. I'm done. Painter, final thoughts. Dan, I feel like um, I'm sort of getting this intuition that you want me to ask you about your five favorite movies from 1999. Oh, well, well, you know, Painter, what an unexpected question. (laughs) Um, I I don't know. Like, I mean, I already said The Matrix and I already said the South Park movie. Right. Justin, you're you're, uh, you've seen both of those, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Classics, both of them. What's what's good from ninety nine? Eyes Wide Shut is great yeah. from from nineteen ninety nine. Six Sense uh, is a, a Grand Slam home run of a movie. Fight Club is ninety nine. Uh, election, Alexander Payne's Election with Reese Witherspoon is a, uh, is a is a wonderful film. I do enjoy Election. If you've never seen The Iron Giant, uh, that's a that's a great movie uh, from from nineteen ninety nine. Uh, according to the internet. Um, Green Mile came out in 99. Okay, there you go. Green Mile. Talented Mr. Ripley. Uh, and Paul Thomas Anderson's Magnolia came out in 99. Oh, Magnolia. Yeah, with the, that's the, the Tom Cruise. Two, uh, two great movies in, uh, in 99 with, uh, with, with Isaac also in Also in 99, the uh, episode one of Star Wars. Not as, not as clearly acclaimed, but a huge event. Oh, the... Oh, the uh, the mummy, the Brendan Fraser mummy is uh, is ninety nine. Great ride well. at Universal that's, Studios. By that's the way. a fun. 
I saw the Matrix and the Mummy the uh, same weekend, and that those are those are both uh, uh, those, those are both a bunch. I'm of I'm not a horror guy, but Blair Witch Project came out in '99. I I remember Blair. vaguely, Dan. I, you you were obviously older than me and during '99, but I I vaguely remember being a kid and like that was like now Blair Witch Project was like the first like viral movie marketing scheme that kind of preyed on the internet and word of mouth like um pretty well like i remember it being like you know i remember like at the church that, that my dad worked at i remember the folks in the youth group the older guys the teenagers talking about blair witch project because they had heard you know crazy things about it well people you know i think it was it was genius marketing but like people did think it was real to yeah, a degree yeah. not everyone and i think a lot of people knew the truth that this was a short film that had been staged or this was a, a, an independent film staged to look like a found footage documentary and, and everyone involved in the film was an actor. Uh, but no, people believed it. And uh, and that really, I mean, that, that their theaters were packed for this this tiny little movie there in, uh, in, in 99. And and yeah, it's that that's it is. I mean, for, for, for what it is, uh, you know, as a just a, a really, you know, really tightly shot sort of. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, a movie that that really plays with sort of like what's unseen as much. Like it's uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a, amazing and and one of the most one of the most profitable movies ever made. Uh, two more. I just noticed um that we need Office Space ninety nine. Oh yeah, Office Space a uh, a great one. Ron Ron Livingston the uh, the dad in the Flash. Uh, who is uh, is in a yeah the 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 lead the lead in Office Space and uh, Man on the Moon. Uh, the uh, man on the 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 and and if you've never seen the documentary about Jim Carrey shooting the man on the moon when he went full method to play Andy Kaufman, it is one of the most like bizarre, but also like it'll stick with you for a long time kind of documentary. Very good documentary. Um, check that out if you haven't. I can't. We, we talked it's on. It's called Jim and the, Andy or something like the Great Beyond or something like that. On the drive home from the wrestling show in Atlanta, we talked about Wild Wild West, which also came out in the summer of 1999. Oh my uh, goodness, and, uh, yeah, dude. And and uh, I would, uh, and on on the point of Man on the Moon, uh, you're, you're getting into REM, uh, or I'm trying to get you into REM a little bit. Yeah. And they, of course, met Man on the Moon, uh, the title of it, uh, the Andy Andy Kaufman biopic starring uh, Jim Carrey. The title comes from uh, REM's song about. Andy Kaufman from the Automatic for the People album, and how's how's the, how's the REM project going? Uh, it's it's all right. Like I'm 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 not as deep into it. Like I I committed to it like right before a bunch of mo- music that I like released on uh, last Friday, so I'm having to catch back up. But REM has a playlist picked by the actual band members on 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 Spotify that their favorite their top forty. And so I've been going through that, and uh, some of it's really, really good. Like I knew some of the singles, some of the more popular ones, but uh, I really like it. I really, I'm, I'm trying to get into it. So if y'all have any REM takes, fire them my way. Um, a lot of, a lot of shout out to shout out to Inner Circle members Blake and Jerry for for being the guiding lights for for me and the uh, the older generation. I'm saying not older generation. That's that's unfair to those guys. Uh, guys who are a little older than me uh, and their music taste that I've always enjoyed listening to. I think the Austin Powers sequel came out in uh, in 1999. The second one, uh, the Spider Shagged Me, movie came out in 99. I'm, I'm so, gonna, I'm gonna so, have that one out too. So, um, so with Austin Powers, it like Austin Powers was a modest success in theaters. The first one, 
and I guess became such a hit on video and on cable that the sequel made more money in its first weekend than the first one did in its entire theatrical run. I don't which feel is like a that testament. happens anymore. Yeah, it's like I mean, wow. I'm trying to th- I'm trying to think of what like of recent films like really found an audience after leaving theaters the way Austin Powers did. But I mean, the first movie didn't really. I mean, it did okay, especially for an inexpensively produced comedy. But the second one was a massive blockbuster because the first one found an audience after it left theaters, which I mean, I guess Pitch Perfect did that to an extent, Mm -hmm. but but not not in the way. You know what? You know what? Sort of uh, Scott Pilgrim is something that's like favorites. like and I think that's something that most people who have seen Scott Pilgrim didn't you know maybe they didn't see it in theaters when it was, when I, it was I did released, not the first like, time I saw it I did not see it in theaters I saw it at a yeah. friend's house so I so I think maybe that's a movie that's that's gained uh, you know a, a you know it's it, it's gained a lot of its reputation outside of of its theatrical release but no you don't see that anymore that that's a that was a video store and basic cable. Uh, product that that's that's maybe uh, maybe gone obsolete. Painter of all the movies we just mentioned in '99, what's your favorite? Go. Office Space. Atta boy. Now here's the thing: should we should we end the show with "Damn It Feels Good to Be a Gangster" or should we end it with the Mountain Goats? We're ending with the, the Mountain, mountain goats. goats. This is my show, and I'm going with the Mountain it's Goats. So, Hit the Mountain so Goats, Painter. <laughs> death metal band out of Denton with a couple of guys who'd been friends since grade school. One was named Cyrus, the other was Jeff, and they practiced twice a week in Jeff's bedroom.